very warm welcome to series three of Inspiring African Travel. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm James and with my wife, Julia, and our great friend, Stuart, we really want to thank you for joining our platform. In this podcast, we share stories from inspiring local people involved in tourism all around Africa. We've had women breaking gender barriers. In series two, we featured local heroes in tourism in Africa, people who've carved a successful career from humble beginnings through tourism. And we really want to bring you closer to your love for Africa through the interviews on our podcasts. So in our third series, we'll be interviewing local specialist guides from all across Southern and East Africa. By specialist guides, we aim to bring you people that have a tremendous amount of experience from out in the field. And we want to share their stories that are surely going to hook you in. It could be a particular animal that they're extremely passionate about and uh, that fascinates them. It might be a particular story or something poignant that they really want to share or anything that will really provide us with a bit of entertainment and also real in-depth understanding of what they do out there. A bit of fun, we'll all learn something and we've got some really interesting people right throughout this series. And yeah, we just want to really thank you for joining us and really hope you enjoy this series as much as we've enjoyed putting it together. Thanks a lot. Well, here we are, everybody. It's episode two and we're cracking on well. And for the next 20 minutes, we're going to transport you to the Mahadi Khadi salt pans in Botswana. These are the world's most expensive salt pans. In early June this year, we were so lucky to go and stay at the renowned Jack's camp. It's a completely new, newly built camp. Uh, it's one of a kind in Botswana, it's fair to say, uh, in Africa, actually. Originally part of the Uncharted Africa group, Jack's camp falls today under natural selections. And it's a group of properties that includes places in the desert, in Namibia, South Africa, and all over Botswana. Um, and Jack's Camp, it's a really iconic property, um, it has to be said, and really put the Mahadi on the map for Botswana. There's a gentleman that works there called Super Sunday. Super, um, if you Google his name, as in Super the word, S-A-N-D-E. He's been working with Uncharted Africa and part of the Natural Selections family now all of his adult life. He's a true custodian of the salt pans, absolutely loves Mahadi And he's guided and mentored so many people through his time there um, as he's just learned so much about this incredible landscape that is Mahadi He's a difficult man to pin down um, and he was moving around the country well he still does really move around the country so much these days private guiding so yeah we just managed to grab super from the airport in Mound in Botswana and have a really good chat with him in a little room we put a map out on the table and recorded the chat and we hope you enjoy it it's a really unplanned little chat but uh, he is a fascinating gentleman and we hope this gives you a little taster of the Mahadi or if you've been there before, we'll transport you there to this amazing place for the next few minutes. Thanks very much for listening and enjoy everybody. Okay, so Super, you you obviously, you, you're greater at your hometown, right? 
Goethe is my hometown. Okay, so Goethe is where on the map? Yeah. Right here. This is a Goethe village. Okay, so you're on the northern yes, so northern part of the of I'm the salt pans. Actually, yeah, I'm on the northern part of the salt pan of the Ntwetwe pan. Okay, cool. So, did you grow up like exploring the salt pans, or did well, you know much about the salt pans? And growing up, I, I literally knew nothing about the salt pans up until uh, the last thirty-one years. That's mm-hmm. when I moved down there to. Um, take up my job with Uncharted. Yeah. So prior to that, so before the age uh, of 30? Prior to that, I was mostly based outside Francistown. Well, I actually moved from Francistown um, mm-hmm. with Uncharted Africa Safaris. Uh, oh, okay. So they, they employed you there? Yes. Before uh, cool. Uncharted was born. So as I understand it, let's like, if you go back to the history before we go into the geology of the pants, mm-hmm. yeah. like Jack's camp was literally a playground for for, for well, him, like they just yeah, enjoyed the area. Um, basically, I mean, as we speak, Jack's camp did not exist as a camp that it is. It looks like today. That only came about in 1993. 93. Yeah, but okay. since 1978, that was very much like a campsite. Jack's uh, type of marketing was uh, word of mouth. Oh, okay, yeah. So friends would go and recommend the experiences that they gained out of the salt pens. Yeah, because yeah. he was previously a tracker, hunter. And then when he retired in 1964 from hunting, he decided to do photographic, which a lot of people thought that was crazy. <laughs> Actually, you know what, only to realize that exactly where everybody's going to end up, which is where you are today. And then you, then you grew to start exploring I the pants. actually then um, looked at for how Jack and Ralph um, you know, were operating within the area and I realized there was something for me to learn. Yeah. I mean, they obviously loved, loved they it at that point. Loved Fascinating. that place. I mean, the thing is, it is right on the edge. You know, once your yeah. guests have landed and there's no other planes above your skies or it's anything, so nice. it's just, we are, it was mostly considered a marginal area, no game, nothing. You see a jackal once a week or twice, see an elephant, use it all year round, see an ele- a track of an elephant, you sort of go back there. If it walks during the wet season when they leave some indentations on the ground, we'll use that all year round. Yeah, for guiding our guests, but <clears throat> now you look at it, tons of elephants, zebras, well, yeah, yeah. jackals. It's completely changed. So, like, look at the area though, super. I mean, like, <coughs> looking at the map as it is now, the mm. area that's taking up the you know, the Ntwetwe pan, yeah. salt pans, but let's just call it for argument's sake, yes, the greater Mahadikhari salt pans. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like the same size as the Okavango it looks, Delta, it looks exactly the same size as the Okavango Delta, but, yeah, uh, truly speaking. Um, this here, if you look at, uh, at uh, today with our um, you know satellite maps and yeah. pictures and stuff, this is actually over forty thousand square kilometers. Wow! Which over there we're looking at what uh, fifteen to eighteen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Um, so a lot of these pens are sort of uh, disappearing because of the vegetation is um, encroaching. Yeah, encroaching okay. big time. Yeah, which is natural. Which is natural. And I mean, the game is loving it because mm. this, you know you're talking about one of the most palatable uh, grass species that because uh, it's rich in sodium and nutrients. Exactly. exactly. Oh, wow. So go back to the basics quickly, like um, for someone who's just looking at the map. 
Mm-hmm. And in a very short period, you yeah. know, they're saying, okay, I'm looking here, I've got this big body of water, which is yeah. Okavango, some water up in Chobi, mm-hmm. and then this area, which on the map looks like there's water. Yeah. There yeah. is at the moment a bit left, but yeah. it's the salt yeah. pans. How did it all form? Well, um, that definitely will take us back. We have to take our time back to Gondwana and Think yeah. about South America, Australia, New Zealand, Madagascar, plus uh, those others. When we were all touching. We're all are yeah. just, just still one big continent known as Gondwana It is well believed that where we're standing today was one of the largest um, or probably the best gallery forest that you can ever think of. Put together today, uh, Australia and South Africa, and think of what the mining out there is coal. Botswana has got more coal than Australia and South yeah. Africa put together. But forget about it because we we have a beautiful uh, security to our system. That's it. Whereby the uh, desert, um, sorry, the Kalahari, and the sand basin, mm-hmm. which literally a lot of people say when you are in the delta, you are outside the Kalahari. Yeah. A good, a good uh, mistake. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> our Kalahari basin goes from South Africa and tails up in Gabon. What happened when Gondwanaland splitted into seven different pieces, the Southern African region, which was uh, the belly button of that continent, mm-hmm. was left very unstable tectonically. And so with the escarpment that you see down in South Africa taking you all the way down to where these rivers that we'll talk about exited into Mozambique. Mm -hmm. You have a beautiful fault known as the Drakensberg Mountain. Mm -hmm. As you ditch into the Limpompo Valley, you are straight onto the highlands of Zimbabwe because now it's two different countries, but Mm -hmm. that was one fault, okay? That if this river, these rivers that we will talk about now did not do what they did by knocking down that escarpment and exiting, depositing their waters in what you call today the southern Mozambique, which is today probably by far the richest land on earth. Mm. If we didn't have all those issues with Mozambique and trying to protect themselves from South African uh, guys who wanted to take over, there will be no starvation in Africa. Mm, yeah, yeah. Now, <clears throat> um, so what we had is we have uh, these three major rivers over there, the Upper Zambezi, the Kwando River, or whatever name they call it there, mm-hmm. uh, the Okavango River, once um, flew into this basin over there and bumping onto each other around the salt pen area, yeah. exiting our country right at that horn creating what is known today. Uh, it comes through Mugosa River, okay. into the Limpompo Valley. Past the Liba Pequets. Um, all the way into um, the southern Mozambique, creating one of the uh, world's largest um, uh, delta that ever got to be known. If you fly over uh, out of South Africa into Mozambique, and yes. look, is the best green piece yes, of land. Yes, yes, yes. I've seen it on my flight up to Tanzania from exactly. Johannesburg. It's amazing. So it effectively joined the Limpopo and formed a massive delta yes, out of the sea. Exactly. And yeah. then um, over time, I put it seven and a half million years ago, we had two plates that came together. 
created a big uplift in the eastern side of the Makarikadi salt plain today, known as the Kalahari Zimbabwean axis. Okay, that's about seven and a half million yeah, years ago. Yeah, that was about seven and a half million years ago. Mm-hmm. You had that um, reach that actually blocked that massive river. You can imagine that river valley today looks about six kilometers wide. It would have been much bigger. Wow. But if you fly over there, you will see uh, both on the sides of those banks, you will see that you actually have beautiful green trees. Those are your uh, river. Uh, you can see branches. it running along yes, the side. exactly. Mm. So three kilometers on e- each side, which would give you six kilometers. But we probably know that it would have been bigger than that, uh-huh. looking at the valley. So that these three rivers carried massive waters and deposited them into the Indian Ocean. Yeah, until, now stopped it. Until yes. this uh, fault, the Kalahari Zimbabwean axis, mm-hmm. we call it that in, in 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 our country in Zimbabwe they call it Zimbabwean Kalahari axis. Mm-hmm. So forget about that. It's called the Kalahari. <laughs> okay. Kalahari axis. Now Kalahari Zimbabwean axis formed the biggest lake ever known in Africa. Yeah. So we're talking about. This, All the water from the water, Bavago, the Chobi, and the taken, Yeah, we'd have taken this whole area, uh, taking all the probably two-thirds plus of the delta up to uh, Livingstone, as far as to Matopa. The whole wow. Wanga National Park was in there. Wow, wow, wow. And what about Big Falls? Was that still... That was uh, just on the... Uh, tip of it. Okay, so was that flowing yeah, exactly. as a sort of because tributary? Because is this... Um, lake got bigger and bigger yeah it actually started spilling the waters into the lower zambes which then eroded its way and diverted your upper zambes to the different route uh-huh okay i've got you yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. and due to tectonic plate activities we have another fault that sits over there mm-hmm. that stretches all the way to gudikwa and across the delta uh, tails up around gumare mm-hmm. and then you had uh, uh, some few faults there kuneri and Tamalakani. Yeah, Tamalakani Fault and all those also that are known to have formed the Delta which meant that as this one pops here diverts your, your Chobe River mm-hmm. and uh, it affects the Delta as well and you ended up with that huge gravel. So when did these um, fault this lines start pushing up? Um, these, these are the ones that um, still the dates are tricky because sure. some people say well, the last standing waters of the Makarikari salt plain were around 10,000 years ago, uh-huh. which would mean the disappearance of the Okavango River uh, being captured by the formation of the delta was basically um, what caused this to die completely. Because but what if, the, <clears throat> what if, for example, there was a lot more water pushing into the Poteti? say like 10,000 years ago, which yeah. means could well, put some water into the You'll plant. be amazed because I just came from uh, where the Buteti enters the salt pan is filling in. Yeah. It's flowing. Pushing in big time. It's eh? pushing in big time, which is amazing. But I don't know if in between here or if this water actually came from the salt pan and that flew backwards i'm not we don't sure know. yeah uh, yeah okay so some... anything it was been less than seven million years ago that these oh yeah ones... that delta is completely younger much younger uh, right? much younger so mm. i usually don't get much involved into the formation yeah. of the delta because there's uh, so many different theories yeah sure and i leave it to the guys that were yeah, there yeah, to yeah. talk about it because i'm not a fundy on that uh-huh. but, but essentially the whole greater mahadikari lake shrunk and shrunk and shrunk yes. and shrunk 
So if you look at it uh, carefully, the, this leg apparently went away, came back three times. Wow. The third time when it came, the delta was no longer. I mean, the delta. Uh, the, 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 the delta formed. The delta was formed. Yeah. Yes, which leaves us with 40,000 exactly. square kilometers. Of and take your something. flight now to the moon or space station and look down to uh, Botswana or You'll South African region. There will be two geo features um, that will appear in your picture, looking like a cup of tea and the cup of I mean a saucer. Yeah. And those would be the Makarikari and the Okavango Delta. They are the most prominent geo features that you see from there. It's funny you should talk about space when you, because yeah. when, when we were in the pans out there, it was, I don't know, you must see it with guests all the time. Yeah. When you're out there seeing the stars like they yeah. are, there's this instant sort of connection to yeah. outer space. It's, it's incredible. It, it is mind blowing. And we thought, we were looking up at the sky, yeah. we were like, yeah, there's the International Space Station. Turns out it wasn't the International Space Station, though. It was, was it? Um, it was, we'd had uh, too many gin and tonics. Oh. It, it was Venus. <laughs> and we thought so Venus was moving. We were like, there it is. And then we all kept still for long enough. And then we realized, oh, no, no, no. God, fantastic. <laughs> but anyway, it's, it's outstanding there. I mean, yeah, it is. A f- and the cool thing, there was no moon, moon at the moon? time. Oh, so wow. the stars were just like jumping Mad around you. Yeah. It's so cool. Man, it's a beautiful place too. And you can yeah. lie down and see over 20 satellites flying above you because... Most of this time after the rains, there's nothing to, you know, there's hardly any uh, fire pollution or it's anything insane. like pollution. It's just clear as anything. Yeah. But you talk about like, so everyone considers the salt pans as a very dry and desolate place. Yeah. But of course, when we were there, it's right at the end now of the, exactly. of the green season. Yes. So it's already coming into the dry season. Yeah. Yeah. But because we had so many rains... There were pans full of water and yeah. flamingos. It was so beautiful. I mean, you still have up to two and a half million uh, lesser and greater flamingos uh, coming in there. And, and it's the only place where they breed. Ex- exactly. Well, uh, like now we had beautiful waters. So that yeah. area there, mm-hmm. um, you had uh, probably 10,000 flamingos uh, breeding there this year. Mm-hmm. But this 10 kilometers due east of Kubi Island. On, uh, what is that, Suapan? This is Suapan. Yeah, yeah. My word. Yeah, amazing. Eh? And then they come and feed around another yeah, century. Yeah. And they disperse all over. But yeah. this year you have got um, plenty of water and they are having a big ball. Just on that road out of Jack's Camp towards the park boundary, yes. we saw, um, just before the park, we, yeah. we saw a really beautiful flock of lesser flamingos. Lesser flamingos. Beautiful. I mean, uh, they, you see, like... And they were relaxed. In a lot of cases, mm, like people close. don't actually realize that the Makarikari pens are full of life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, as soon as it rains, the algae just froths. Mm-hmm. And they will, you will see these flamingos arriving. They're completely white in two weeks' time. Like wow. if somebody came with a brush and painted, you know, they, they as soon as they get the algae, they... Colors come out. That, yeah, their pigmentation. It, they get all their pigmentation from um, the pink algae. So cool. And that yeah. algae. So what they feed on is is considered algae or krill because it's like it, it it's dormant in the pants. Yes, it lies up. dormant as soon as it comes to life and start floating. Uh, you look at it; it looks almost like uh, fibers or yes, it looks uh, like little hairs it's, on the edge. Look, yeah, exactly. But in there as well, you've got about 12 different species of um, uh, shrimps and stuff, wow. which uh, your greater flamingos are enjoying as well. Yeah. That's why they're a little bit um, 
less pink here uh-huh. because they're getting their pigmentation second hand. Oh, okay. Uh, shrimps have to eat the algae and then they eat um, the shrimps and get their pigmentation ah. as second hand. Yes. Okay. I didn't know that. Mm. So how can how long does this? Because obviously, when it dries up, it's a very harsh you environment. You can have over three hundred and fifty years or a thousand years of no rain. Those brine shrimps' eggs will lie down uh, dormant and wait for the rains and the right temperatures to. Are you serious? Three hundred and fifty years. Hundred percent. Shit. Yeah, and when they come to life, they actually will deliver. If the conditions are good, they will deliver life youngs. In thousands in a week and then as the temperatures the waters changes the test and start becoming saline they will start laying eggs that comes in different uh, qualities of shell yeah which will over time also um, break down to some hatching egg once every 10 years or plus or, or minus just like cicada amazing also. amazing yeah. such yeah. a cool thing to see and then of course we saw lots of um, Zebras and yeah, wildebeest. Zebra, I mean, I wasn't expecting it because again, it's yeah, yeah. by now they've usually migrated, migrated out. But, but there were this good year with the, 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 the amount of rain that we got, which probably is three or four times the amount of what we normally would get there. So there, there's going to be a lot of um, zebras that will hang there up until maybe mid June, July. Yeah. Um, but uh, there are some that stays. A lot of them, as soon as they feel the conditions are changing and maybe the delta waters have arrived and uh, some fresh shoots are coming up around the um, delta, yeah, they don't even ask a question, they go. Amazing. So you will have a lot of them crossing uh, into Makadikadu National Park mm-hmm. through the um state land into Ilinyati uh, Chobi. Yeah, Chobe, mm-hmm. Ilinyati, Savuti, mm-hmm. some goes all the way to the Panhango. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, man, it's such a beautiful area. I have to like, like I know if I've been to the pans a few times, but to see it from that side it was awesome. It's refreshing, you know, you feel you're just out there exploring, there's nobody else there. It's one of the places that I always recommend people that if you have been working very hard out of your system yeah there's a place for you yeah and that's the place and i hope that i know you already sometimes have people that come for four nights five nights but i think out of this corona thing people are going to stay longer longer and that's the kind of place that will leave you disconnect with with, uh, i was just saying to a lot of my guests that with the size of uh, the area that we have the space and everything yeah to come there for two days you actually don't unpack. You don't. No. Your head is spinning. Yeah. So yeah. you need to at least, you know, start thinking about packing uh, on your third or fourth day. I completely and agree. Then, uh, you will be fine. Plus, when you stay for three nights or four nights, you guys yeah. not letting out any surprises, but there's always there's always things. So there's always something to do. Yeah. And there's yeah. so much to do there because yeah. I know people when they think about. Uh, game they think big game okay yeah, you yeah, yeah. get the you still get big game there yeah but there's a lot of other things that never even appear um, on people's mind like heading out at 10 o'clock in the evening mm-hmm. looking for black-footed cat uh, let's go and look for a black-footed cat they're like what are you talking about <laughs> and i just saw one last night i went uh, did you lighting at mapula oh, cool. after nine o'clock and straight yeah 
like 200 meters out of camp, black-footed cat. And while you're looking for them, you can check out the stars, you listen to the birds. It's exactly. so good, eh? And so... And what's your feeling on the new Jack's camp? Because there's nowhere else like it in Botswana. It's so unique. You know, my, that's, <laughs> I, I was worried at some point, but then I, when I realized and also listening to from the guest experiences, they're like, you know what, actually I need to spend at least a day or an afternoon or a full morning in my tent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that just gives... It explains where you are. Well, the tents are four times bigger you, almost. You don't want to come into a place and you talk about space and then you are kind of suffocated. Oh, yeah, I didn't head, think about it. Almost like in a, a, a vehicle cab. You you really want to carry that from being out in the, in the middle of a salt pen to a big tent. So you actually understand where you are. There is space. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. you come from the largest salt pen in the world to, to a small tent. A small thing, and yeah. it like, doesn't make any sense. Well, you've definitely achieved yeah, that. That's so, massive. And let me tell you, I can see the way they built. Very clever to keep you cool when it's hot. It Although is, it was extremely um, cold when I was there. You. But you guys do an amazing job. There were hot water bottles, and it and, was so toasty. Yeah. Well, we try our best. Yeah, yeah. Like now, every guest that comes, we have to make sure that you know what. We have been missing them for a long time. Yeah, so that's good, man. The best of what you can do, these people travel a long time. And now with all these um, times that they're going through in the airport and all stuff like that, when yeah. they get there, they need you. Yeah, sure. They need your support. Uh, you so guys are good, good we service. We are there for them. And um, I swam in, the, in my plunge pool as well. <laughs> let me tell you, let me tell you, I've swam in some glacier lakes yeah. in, uh, uh, in Europe and it was colder. Probably the coldest. <laughs> That's so cool. Well, and thanks to you guys, you know, guys like you and the whole team from Uncharted, because you 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 you, you put this place on the map. You know what I mean? Well, and it's a created a whole destination. There. You know, for us, I I've, I've learned that if there is no sign of any value to any um, thing, it will get dis- either get destroyed or get neglected. Exactly. And so there is a value. Mm-hmm. Um, on those pens. The reason why we have to learn, we should look after them is because you, you're talking those thousands and thousands of flamingos. Yeah, yeah. And they did not live in panic when they saw you. You can yeah, yeah. walk out there they, and yeah, yeah. just distance themselves and continue feeding. Yeah. Because they have never been troubled. That's a beautiful thing. And exactly. And if we didn't um, have tourism in those areas, nobody would be caring. No, okay. great, man. Well, uh, thanks for the no thanks problem. for the crash course on the pants, and, and uh, I just uh, we really enjoyed it. Thanks for having us out there. No problem.